0: This is a Broad Pods production. You're listening to the Leaky Pipeline podcast. Welcome to this episode. Construction is much more than bricks and hammers. It's an industry for all people to work in. On this show, we sit down with change makers to discuss the passion, the opportunities, the struggles and the changes that they're taking to bring more people, especially women, into construction. Hi, I'm Lauren here. Today, I have a great guest who generously shares her experience on how she planned on becoming an architect but became an engineer by default and why work-life balance is a huge challenge in the industry and how we can achieve 25% female participation
1: in construction by 2025. It's a really long road ahead. Hi, I'm Christina Yakupas. Uh, I've been working in the construction industry for 12 years now, and I've been a part of NARWIC since the same, actually, since um, 2011. I'm currently a contracts administrator working for a small family business turned big business um, located in southeast Queensland, uh, where a lead concrete supply pump and place subcontractor working for all the tier one, tier two builders up here on major and small projects. Lovely. Sounds very busy, Christina. <laughs> it
0: definitely can be. So can you tell me how easy it is for a woman to get started in
1: construction? Look, I think for a woman to get started in construction, there's, there's information out there. It's the same as a man starting out in construction, I guess, in one aspect, Um, In terms of knowing what happens in construction and getting a foot through the door, there's not a lot of resources unless you know someone who's in construction and does something, um, has a role, sorry, in the industry. You don't really know what construction is about and the broad range of roles that exist. So perhaps from that side of things, it's tricky for women because they don't realise that there are jobs beyond just being on the tools literally every day and even being on the tools there's such a huge range of roles that they don't know about. So I think there's limited information in terms of knowing what there is, but that's not just for women, that's for men as well. Yeah.
0: And so you talked about that limited information. How did you get into construction?
1: If, you know, for me, for example, I don't know much about it. So how did you get into it? Mine was a bit of an accident, I think. So I... Don't know why, but I decided I wanted to be an architect when I was 12. I applied for uni to get into architecture. Um, And I had one of the careers advisors at school saw that I did physics and maths and was like, oh, why don't you apply for engineering as well? And I was like, no. But I put it down anyway as a backup. Um, I got into architecture, but the university um, that I'd applied for offered me a scholarship if I did engineering. So I took the money and I switched. (laughs) I switched to engineering, and I'm so, so glad I did. Now, knowing what an architect actually does and knowing what an engineer actually does, I'm so grateful I made the switch.
0: Yeah, right. That's amazing. And so, when you first entered the industry,
1: what did you find was the hardest thing for you, or what were the barriers that you faced? So, when I first started, I was part of a really large construction team. We were delivering a $1.5 billion hospital project, so a really large team. And there was actually, um, considering the very low percentages of women in the industry, there was quite a high number of um, females working on the project. So from that side of things, it was pretty good. But being a young woman as part of a team was challenging in that we didn't have mentors or guidance from senior women. There was no female management on the project or even within the business at that time. So there was no support from a a senior woman. The guys were okay, but there was a bit of definitely um, bullying, harassment that went on behind the scenes. Um, Management did try and stamp it out in some instances, but not always necessarily in the right way, Uh, which can be quite discouraging for a young woman, for a young man as well, to see that that takes place. It's not great. No, not at all. Not at all. And so what have you noticed that has changed? So what is one of the biggest items that you've noticed that has changed since you've started in construction? Businesses are just more aware of what needs to happen. They all know the conversations are happening. Bosses and regular staff, I guess, all know what needs to happen. When you call someone out for saying something incorrect or behaving in a way that's not okay, um, they know and it's more of like, oh, okay, I know I feel much more comfortable and confident in speaking up when something's not okay. And that's not just because of our smaller business, that's in big um, settings as well. If I'm at a function or if I'm at a meeting for NARWIC with um, big names in the room, I'm not afraid to speak up because I know that it's something that's forefront in everyone's mind.
0: Yeah, that's great. I think um, the bystander effect is really um, what hinders people in the industry as well because they don't speak up. And I think that's really important that we start to speak up and 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 know that it's a safe space. So I guess we know that in construction, we hear a lot about um, the misconceptions. So uh, sometimes misconceptions can be mistaken for barriers. So as a woman in construction, I want to bust some myths with you. Can you bust some myths about barriers
1: and misconceptions from your own lived experience? Gosh, this is a tricky one. (laughs) I actually have to think about this. What is a misconception? (laughs) Uh, I think a misconception in the industry is that women can't do a lot of the trade roles that exist. I think that you will find that there have been huge advances in technology um, that actually Don't allow the men to complete, or don't allow tradespeople in general, I shouldn't say men, don't allow tradespeople in general to complete jobs the way they maybe once upon a time did. It's not okay to be out there on your own lifting 50, 60 kilos. It's not okay to be, um, you know, doing tasks in an unsafe manner. So generally, if it's safe for a man, it's safe for a woman. Technologies have advanced so that manual tasks are less manual than what they used to be. And just generally, the work environment has improved so drastically in the last, I don't know, couple of decades that it's not the same as what a lot of these people who once worked in construction or who have been here since the dawn of time, essentially. It's not the same as what it once was.
0: Yeah. So there's, I know there's um, some studies around, you know, the, the brick was made for a man's hand, for example. So there's all of these things. But we do know that it is changing and it has changed for a number of years. You can't lift over 20 kilos anymore. So these are definitely, that's a, a huge misconception, I think, that's in the industry. So I, yeah, I really think that's a really great highlight. So people can understand that these things aren't just not okay because women can't do them. They're actually not okay in general because of what happens to people once they start to, you know, hold on to, you know, bags of cement that are 50 kilos, it wrecks their backs in the future. This is something that they want to change for the industry as a whole, not just to include women, but just to make it better. So, yeah, that's
1: a great misconception. And that's why you see so many people in construction, I guess, of a certain age who've worked on the tool since they were, I don't know, 15 or 16 with just broken bodies. Like, you name it, they have it as a physical issue that they're dealing with from years and years of just not treating their bodies right. The information didn't exist back then. That doesn't make it okay, but we can definitely make improvements to make it, one, safer for the men working in the industry, but two, definitely make it more inclusive for women as well.
0: And so we often hear a lot about the construction industry having a poor reputation in relation to the treatment of women. What has been your experience in the industry, though?
1: I've had a bit of a mixed bag In terms of experiences, so I have definitely worked in situations where there was a lot of stuff going on that was not okay, not necessarily always to do with me, but even just with the women around me, there was always at least one person that would kind of have your back, sometimes in a less obvious way than others, but I've definitely experienced some situations that were not okay, never were okay, never will be okay. Um I'm very fortunate at the moment that I work for a business where I'm very comfortable in where I am in terms of I feel safe. I feel supported. No one's going to ever treat me poorly in the current place that I work, which everyone should feel no matter where they work, woman or man, whatever industry you're in. So I don't really think about it much anymore just cuz th- that's my n- my new norm and even if I'm on a job site, you know, I'm I don't experience any of that anymore. That's amazing. That's really good to hear.
0: I mean, not the part that there was bad experiences, but now you don't have to think about it because it's just not a, a thing in your workplace. And that's really important, I mean, for women coming into the industry to know that there are safe workspaces. And so do you think those those challenges that you did experience or that you, you have seen in the industry, do
1: you think they only apply to the construction sector or do you think it's society in general? I think it's society in general. I think it's just kind of enhanced in, I don't know if enhanced is the right word, but I think you just experience it more in construction because there's such a low percentage of women and just these packs of men everywhere. So, um, you know, they egg each other on, they think it's a joke and that creates this sort of culture or environment where things that maybe don't happen as frequently in society in general happen a lot more frequently for sure yeah
0: it is because it is a male populated industry and sometimes again like that bystander effect people just stay and listen even though they know it's wrong but they just don't um do anything about it and they kind of laugh if they if someone else is doing something inappropriate rather than stopping that behavior
1: so yeah yeah they also again like just years and years of um Working the way they work, speaking the way they speak, they don't think about it. I know I literally had a conversation yesterday with one of our um, construction workers, uh, one of our concreters actually, and he used a phrase and I was like, why have you said that? Like you're speaking to me, first of all, so why have you used that phrase? Like it was, it was like sexist, I guess. Um but he said it and I called him out on it and he's like, oh, oh no, I, did, I didn't I did mean it that way. I just, you know, it's, it's just a phrase. And I said, well, find another way to express yourself. Like, just don't use that term. You know, there are so many other ways you can express that. And he's like, oh, you know, I've never, I've never really thought of that. And I was kind of like, you've got daughters, so don't do it for me, do it for them. And he was kind of like, oh yeah, okay, no, I'm going to be very aware of that now. So I think it's just kind of ingrained as well, right? They speak a certain way because that's what, They've always done so. Um, it's just being okay with calling that out and making them aware, because a lot of the times it's not that that people are coming from a hurtful
0: yeah, And it's about or how place. we have it's that conversation with them. rather than getting angry or using a negative approach. It's about that conversation where we allow them to understand your side, and and they can see it from a different angle. And I think that's really important. Is around how we have that conversation. But it is, it's is—it's very interesting. You touched on that topic around that's all they've kind of known and they didn't realise that it affected. So until somebody actually brought it to light, they wouldn't have known that that was an issue. Or, you know, So I think that's really important that we are courageous in our workplaces just like you were, just to have those conversations, not to make it a fight but to make it more of an education piece.
1: I definitely make it a fight. <laughs> I go, why would you say that? I'm very aggressive, but that's okay. I think the important thing is to raise it in whatever way you feel comfortable. It can be as subtle or as in your face as you like. It doesn't have to be aggressive. I am I have a reputation <laughs> of being aggressive. No, I'm joking. I can't imagine but, um, that. But it's raising it in whatever way you feel comfortable. So even if you have to raise it as a bit of a joke, it still can get in their head. If you just have to make it a very subtle comment, that can still get in the, in their head. And be the tiniest step towards, you know, just creating that little bit of change that needs to happen. That's right. That cultural shift that we need to see, even using comedy, I guess, and
0: jokes to try to relate to that person in a way to shift that behaviour. So yeah, that's a really great point to raise it the way you need to raise it or you feel comfortable to raise it. But the point is to raise it so that people understand what's going on in the behaviour. We can
1: start to change
0: that culture.
1: Exactly. And I know, like, when I first started making comments to, like, this current workplace, I would never have said anything in the first place I worked at. But in this environment, you know, the first few times it's like, yeah, eye rolls. Yeah, okay. All right. We get it. But it does start to shift. I'm seeing a shift. Yeah, that's really great. And so
0: because you're seeing a shift in your own workplace, what would you encourage other business
1: leaders to consider when they're employing women in construction? If I'm speaking to business leaders specifically, it's that change happens from the top. The staff, the workers have to see a shift in the attitude and behaviours of management so that they also implement those changes. And this can be related back to like, let's bring it, take it away from women in construction. Let's make it even just work hours, like work-life balance, right? Right. If you see that your boss is coming into work at 5 a.m. every day and working till like 6 p.m. every day, you're going to feel pressure to do that too, right? Because that's what your boss is doing. That's what they're showing they expect of everyone. So just by shifting their work-life balance, you know, monitoring their hours, going, come on, guys, let's get out. I shouldn't say guys. Come on, team, let's get out of here. Um Helps fix that work-life balance. So I think it's the exact same thing for women in construction. Seeing your managers supporting initiatives for women in construction, seeing them stand up, stand up against poor behaviour, um, changing language, all these sorts of things, will naturally filter down to everyone else. Yeah, and that's a really great point because change really does start from the
0: top, and unless we see it with our senior leaders, we can't expect the change um, to occur in the industry. And so, tell me what you love about construction and this industry,
1: and your role that you play in it. I love being able to walk past a building, a bridge, anything, and being able to say, like, I was part of that. Even though I'm not the one actually on the tools, I know the ins and outs of the building or the structure. From before it was open to the public, um, getting to access spaces that no one else is going to get to go to, standing on a helipad on top of a hospital, you know, getting to see the concrete that's going into a pier in the middle of the river when you're building a bridge, like, that's really cool. Really, really cool for me. Just being part of something big that's going to be there long after we're gone. I think that's really cool. So that's my industry love. (laughs) My role love, so I, yeah, contracts administrator, so I manage contracts. I love negotiating contract closeouts. Like I cannot express how much I love it. Um, I love getting to go in and fight the fight, that sort of thing. So I also love um, getting to go on site. So my role has a balance, uh, sorry, is a bit of a hybrid role between office and site. So I like that my days are really different. I can be in the office for like two weeks straight, but then I can spend a whole week on site. And it's kind of for me to manage, which is great as well. The flexibility is
0: yeah, really right. cool.
1: And I, I really love that you
0: talk about being part of something that you can physically see that build. So it's, it's like a sense of achievement that you've been part of. And I think that's so important because for so many people with their jobs, it's just a job. Whereas with that job, you actually get to see an end result. And you get to see people going through it over the bridge. And like you said, it's going to be there for the rest of, you know, well past our time
1: into the next generation. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing to be a part of. It's really lovely. I know my um my family definitely get sick and tired of every time we drive past something like, "Oh, I was part of that. Oh, I was part of that." They're like, "We know. We get it. Okay, we get it." So, maybe it's cool for them the first time, but after that they get over it. Yeah. But
0: it's still it's still entrenched in you, which is so great, you know, still, you know, driving past something that you know that you were part of that and you helped to to build that from, you know, the ground up in whatever role you played during that. But it's it's a, it's a sense of accomplishment as well. And it, it's lovely that you still feel so passionate about it. Like, yeah, I built that. And yeah, I was part of that. You know, I think that's really great. And um, it really speaks volumes of how much you really love the industry. And so because you love the industry and there's so many aspects of your role that you love, what
1: is it that keeps you here? I can't imagine doing anything else, but also... If I worked in a coffee shop I wouldn't be able to make as much money as I do in my role. No. I um I really love what I do. I'm part of a really cool team um really we're just a, a really well-meshed team. Work is fun. Obviously it has its challenging days as well, of course, as any workplace does. We don't always see eye to eye, but that's okay. It's the way that you handle those situations. So I I just I really love it. I really can't imagine working in any other industry for me personally. And um, I'm so grateful all those years ago that I accidentally fell into construction. I love that. They
0: accidentally fell into it. And so what do you want to see happen for women in construction and construction in general? 50% women in construction. No. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, Perfect. I, I guess I would love to see that eventually we get to a point where, you know, organisations like now, we could just not needed because... The industry is open and supportive of everyone. Everyone has a place and just construction is more visible to not only to school students and um, people, young people wanting to enter the industry, but also to more mature age entrants as well. We just need to become more visible and more loud so that everyone realises the broad range of roles that exists broad range of opportunities that exist you're not just entering the industry in one role and that's where it stays it's such a fluid moving beast you can start in one spot and end up somewhere totally different and that's totally okay projects shift every couple of years no one's tied to a project for more than three or four years really so roles are much the same as well and I think that's a really good thing yeah and I love that you touched on um, how construction is so fluid
0: because sometimes when you're in an industry or in a job, you can't really see past a certain point in your career. But construction is so diverse that you could literally be a tradesperson one day and in, you know, five, 10 years, you might decide to be a site manager or, you know, in the boardroom. So there's just that level of fluidity that not a lot of industries have. So I love
1: that you touched on that point because it, it's really important for women to understand as well. Women and men, really. So I know the first business that I worked for, our state general manager, he once upon a time, many years beforehand, was a um, NRL player. Like he, yeah, was, right. <laughs> he was a football player. He went on to do a, a trade, like an apprenticeship, did a bunch of roles obviously in between, but then ended up being a general manager of a tier one builder. Yeah. You know, that's that's huge. It's huge. Right? Yeah. Um. So I think the fact that it, yeah, that roles just can change so easily within the construction industry, much more easily than other industries that I'm aware of, is a really good thing. You're not tied to one role, you're not tied to one project, and that's so important yeah. for us. And so,
0: and what do you think the government can do for women in construction? You know, you said we want to be loud, we want to be out there, we want to make sure that the construction industry changes. So what
1: do you think the government can do to help women in construction? On a lot of the projects that we work on, up here in Queensland at least, but I know this exists nationally, there are initiatives and targets to employ and support apprentices. There are initiatives and targets to support Indigenous employees on projects. And subcontractors and builders are penalised for not meeting those targets. Why are we not doing more in the space for women? Why is the government not enforcing more rules and regulations around and targets for women. I know that targets and quotas are not loved by everyone, but it's a good start. It's a really good start. It starts the conversation. It starts putting some pressure on to actually not only get women in the door, but then we've got to keep these people employed. We can't just keep having a new batch of women employed every six months while others drop off. So I think that's going to be a real catalyst in making businesses do more, not only in the attraction space, but in the retention space, which is really the area that's suffering the most at the moment. The number of women joining the industry is increasing slowly, very slowly, but it's increasing. It's that retention piece. And that's important, not just for women, but men as well, because the men are dropping off too. The industry's tough. Work-life balance is tough. Um, so it's really going to force businesses. The government implementing targets is really going to encourage businesses to look at what they're doing and just do better. Yeah, and you talk about targets
0: and quotas. So as the chair of NAWIC, you know what our, our target is. Did you want to explain a little bit about our um, our mission or our vision, I guess, of 25
1: by 25? Yep. So NAWIC, uh, three years ago now, set a target of achieving 25% female participation by 2025. At the time, we were sitting at around the 12% mark, maybe just a touch under. And uh, we know that the stats are now sitting at over 13%. So, not a huge increase, but we are stepping in the right direction. And we have gone through COVID in that time as well, which has um, shaken things up a little bit. We recognize that 25% in the next two years is a huge ask. And realistically, are we going to get there? Probably not. But we recognize that setting these targets is so important committing to these targets and showing what you can do to step towards it is so important so it's a conversation starter it's it's setting setting the goalpost somewhere because you've got to start somewhere so we feel that while the industry is shifting it's quite slow things need to be sped up they just need to be there are labor shortages in the industry huge labor shortages we don't even know how we're going to deliver the body of work that's currently in the pipeline, let alone the more work that's going to be coming up. So the industry needs to be more open and more supportive, more inclusive to the other 50% of, or 51% actually, of Australia's population. Let's get some more women in the door to, and keep them, and keep them there so that we can deliver all the work that's in the pipeline, because infrastructure's needed, the new buildings are needed. Agree, and I think you touched on a really great
0: point there. Obviously now, as a, a not-for-profit association, we set this target so that the industry can look to this target and, and want to do better and create a better um, workplace for everybody. And so what do you think is needed to change the culture, to make it safer, happier, um, and to just remove the stigma? around
1: the construction industry to help us get to that target? So at NAWIC, we've looked at, um, we call it the leaky pipeline. So we've taken a look at different aspects or different phases, I guess, of a person's career in construction or even before they enter construction. And we've identified some key challenges faced at every different stage. So for me, everything that's been identified in that leaky pipeline comes back to the culture, really. It's the culture in the industry that needs to shift. So what does that mean? That means that high school students growing the awareness of the career options that exist. So making the industry more, more visible to those not in the industry and showing them the opportunities that exist. Then when we're looking at apprenticeships and university study, so ensuring that they have safe learning environments, making sure that, you know, the students, not so much the uni students, but apprentices for sure, that they're supported, that they're um, included in the team, that they feel safe going to work every day because some of the stories you hear of what apprentices have gone through uh, can be quite horrific. And, and really, it wouldn't be okay in any other industry. So why is it okay in construction? In some instances, it doesn't always happen everywhere. Some apprentices have great experiences. But if it wouldn't be okay in any other industry, why is it okay in construction? So early career, much the same, creating that supportive, safe workplace for young women so that they can start to feel comfortable like me to speak up when something is not okay. Then we start reaching parenthood and mid-career. We need support in childcare, childcare. And this isn't just a women's problem. This is men as well. There are single dads out there who can't access childcare at hours that work for construction. It's so expensive. So things need to be looked at. And I appreciate that that's a much bigger issue than just NAWIC. That's something definitely that the government needs to look at. And I know that early childhood, sorry, industry is also suffering labour shortages and, and restricted hours and all that sort of thing. So that's a greater issue. But It's something that's really important for construction, not just for women, but for men. Um, Once you start looking at mid-career and late-career, gender pay gap is so huge, such a big problem. The fact that I go to work and I can be earning 30% less than my male counterpart is... What is with that? Ridiculous. (laughs) Absolutely ridiculous. Yes. 30% less. What? How is that okay? So I know that actually... um, for us, our our uh, staff that work on the tools, there's actually none of that um, because they're they're obviously locked into set pay rates depending on their level, and it's all very well well and good and fair across the board in that instance. But the fact that it exists for for women who have worked in the industry for years, decades, and have worked just as hard, if not harder, than some of their male counterparts, just makes me feel sick. So. Yeah. Does that kind of cover, does that touch on <laughs> what needs to
0: change? Yeah, <laughs> it does. You actually answered the final question, which I was going to say, how do we stem the leaky pipeline? But I guess you touched on some really great points. This The, the gender pay gap is actually not okay. And it's something that we need to really, like. companies need to really look into and understand how they can address this. It might not be a, a fix that they can do within a year, but they need a plan and they need a goal to fix this. And how does this work and how do they address these issues? And there's issues around the the, the gender pay gap that includes women who won't ask for a pay rise out of their turn. So they don't feel comfortable to do that. It includes people that go on maternity leave that fall short of their um, their pay review, for example, Uh, And so they go on maternity leave and they've missed that section of pay review, so it starts that gender, the pay gap starts that way as well. So there's some real big issues that can be addressed for some of these uh, corporates and companies that can start to address this because that's a
1: big, it's a big barrier for women in construction. It's actually not a misconception, it's a barrier. I think that um, the gender pay gap kind of stems into two points that I raised earlier, so... One is leading by example from management and just recognizing that it exists within your business. If it does, there might be some businesses where it doesn't, but recognizing that the problem exists and making a very open commitment to fixing it. In my opinion, if you recognize there's a problem, fix it straight away. I don't think it should take you five or 10 years to eliminate a gender pay gap, but just fix it. (laughs) in whatever timeline it is. Have a plan at least. Exactly. Do something. Exactly. But then the second thing is it comes back to, and I know that this is really hard, but speaking up. So if you are aware that something is unfair or if you believe that you deserve more, speak up. And that comes back to creating that safe work environment. So once again, I'm so fortunate that my boss is... I'm gesturing to him, sorry. (laughs) I'm so fortunate that my boss has created a very comfortable work environment for all of us, but I feel really fine in just knocking on his door and going, hey, let's talk. And we can have a very serious conversation. And I can challenge him if he says something that I don't agree with. So I appreciate that that's not the case for everyone. And I'm very lucky. And that's not just a construction thing. That's an everywhere thing, every industry, every person thing. But It's speaking up once again, speaking up to for yourself, which can be so like challenging and intimidating. But just do it. One
0: of my favorite quotes is "Speak even if your voice shakes," because there's so much power in that. For everything, right? When we see bad behavior, good behavior, talking about our pay rises, our self worth, all of those comes under that. You know, speaking even if your voice shakes, so that you can feel heard. And I guess something that you touched on which is really important, is the safe environment so that you can have those conversations. And I think this is a a really important one for our leaders, especially to understand what does a safe environment look like for all their employees and how do we make it safe if it's not like that so that people feel included and they can feel heard and have that voice because that is a real... That will also help the change and the culture shift. And so I guess my final question to you, Christina is what is your personal pledge or commitment for the next year in relation to
1: getting more women into the construction industry? My personal pledge is to speak up, just to speak up. Um, Speak up when I see something that's not okay. Speak up when I'm given a platform where my voice is going to be heard, even if it's not going to be 100% heard. Just speak up. Continue to raise the topics that are important to us to make the industry better. Um, like I said earlier, the changes that need to happen are not just for women. It's for men as well. It's shifting that culture to make it a more balanced, more inclusive, better all-around industry overall. I love it. I love it how it is. I love construction. Oh, no, I don't love how it is. Change that. Scrap that. Scrap that. No. I love construction, but I recognise how much better it can be. Um with just some really simple changes. I love that. And I love your commitment of speaking up and
0: you do that all the time. I've seen you do it on the platforms that you do speak up at. So I, I thank you and I'm sure all the women in construction and men in construction also thank you for your voice and being heard in the industry. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christine. It was such a great conversation, and um, I hope you had a great time on our podcast. I did. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Leaky Pipeline. Let us know your thoughts about this episode or leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to share us with your friends. And to find out more about Narwick, head to our website at narwick.com.au.